Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Introducing Dory, my reading and writing tutor. Dory is the founder of Dare to Dream, which is primarily an anti-bullying movement. She's extended that into working with children, using literature to open up their minds and give them a vessel to express themselves. Dory, welcome. Where did your love for working with children begin? And I started working at Queen's Library as an activity assistant. And before that, I was doing anti-bullying workshops for the kids there as a volunteer. I got to know the children's librarian from community poetry open mics that I was doing. I got a volunteer opportunity. And when the opportunity came up for a paid position, I took that. And that's where my love of working with children came. I found my home but I wasn't able to really do what I needed to do for the kids there because I was always more of a one-on-one -on -one tutor. Now I'm trying to transition more into group. What was your childhood like? I was very bullied as a child, which is why Dare to Dream was created as a anti-bullying organization at first. And it's evolved into a tutoring business. And it's not where it needs to be yet, but it's getting there. I want to reach even more children. That's why I'm trying to create programs that will bring children together. Your programs are truly unique and needed. I believe you're extending your work to orphanages. Can you tell me about that? Yes. I want to set up some type of program to position my company to be able to help children in orphanages, to sponsor children in orphanages and teach them how to read and write overseas across the ocean. I want to do around the world eventually. Have you ever visited an orphanage? I never have. That's one of my dreams. And then the pandemic happened and I said to myself, I'm tutoring online. Why don't I do the story times online? Why don't I reach these kids online? So that's what I'm trying to create now to position my company in a way that will help me to get where I need to be financially so I could help others. As a child, what was your connection to reading? It was a passion of mine. I was a natural at it. Like I didn't have friends because I was bullied, so I picked up books, and books became my best friends. So you want to help children with difficult circumstances find an escape into books the way you did? I don't just teach children how to read. I teach them how to find their voices through their reading, how to create characters, how to create themselves, how to teach them a love of reading. It's more than reading words. What I've seen in my own children since they've been working with you is that, especially my seven-year-old, he's been asking the most curious questions. I notice it and it happens really quick. It happens within less than a month. When I tell people less than a month, maybe two months, they don't believe it, the turnaround. It's amazing. And I didn't know if I would be able to translate that on through virtual. And I'm not only proud of the students, I'm proud that the passion comes through the wires. When someone asked me why I was bullied, I, I really don't know. I, my best guess is that the other children saw a difference in me before I knew that I was different. The neighborhood I grew up in, it was kind of an elite neighborhood in Long Island, so any type of difference stands out. 
I didn't learn in a classroom setting. I learned through life. Did you go to regular school? I went to regular school up until I was 14. And then I went to an alternative school through high school. And the school that they put me in was really for lower functioning people with developmental disabilities. And that's what they categorized me as. But that wasn't me. I wasn't learning disabled. I feel like the schooling system is not equipped to handle kids that don't learn like everyone else. There's nothing wrong with children at all, except that they're different. And this was in the late 80s, early 90s when I went to that other school. And that's when I developed my obsessive compulsive disorder. I had severe OCD as a teenager, severe depression that still pops up. How did your OCD develop? I've always felt like I needed to prove myself. And I think that that was the manifestation of that. What was it like at your special needs school? Honestly, going to being the outcast in public school, I was actually popular in this school. I had better conversations with the teachers than I had with the other students because I was more on their level. Being put in a special school was a blessing in disguise for you. It was, yeah. I think looking back, it's where I found myself. Like since then, there's been a a lot of ups and downs. It's still trying to prove myself. I don't tell many people that part of my story, that I essentially have public school education of eighth grade, basically. I'm not college educated. I'm not a teacher. I'm a private tutor. But my teaching comes from my heart. I think that's amazing that you want to take the work you do international to help children around the world. Most people don't think that way. It's not even a thought process to me. It just comes naturally. I'm already doing it like in different states through the pandemic. Why wouldn't I spread it as far and as wide as I could? Can you tell me about some of the people that you've connected with? I wouldn't have ever dreamed about the connection that I would have. I just told one of the other parents that I wouldn't have dreamed that I could have such a connection through the computer screen, but we do. Can you tell me a little bit about the open poetry nights that you did? People have told me that I write best when I'm depressed. That's where all my feeling comes from. My courage comes out of that. And that's why I say my depression is also a gift. I want people to see that you don't need to let depression beat you down. You, you could beat it. What triggers your depression? financial. I wouldn't even call it depression. I would call it more heartbreak that I'm not where I need to be. Did you ever marry? That's a whole other story. I wasn't ready to get married when I did. And I still have a really nice friendship with my ex-husband, but I wasn't ready to get married because I was still in love with an ex-boyfriend that I had never grieved. I feel a lot of guilt from that. The depression sometimes creeps up from that. Do you think that he still loves you? I know he does. And I love him too. Have you ever thought of contacting a school or an orphanage? I've tried to work with schools and because I'm so non-conventional, they try to fit me into that box. And as soon as somebody does that, I'm out. One of my dreams was to one day adopt. I feel like I'm not heading that way anymore. Do you keep in touch with any of the children who you met through the library? I have kids calling me. One of my students is the cousin of one of the kids that I met at the library, and I still keep in contact with the family. And that's one of the greatest compliments to have a child call you. Like, no matter what time they call, like, I'm on call for them. What is your vision for the operation that you want to set up? 
because I work one-on-one, I don't really have an approach for groups yet. Like I'm playing it by ear with the groups and I cater to their individualities. But you have limited hours too. So that's hard to scale. That's why I'm trying to create a plan to make the Write and Shine program I'm trying to create. I'm thinking maybe at least do five kids in a class around the same age group. I have all these ideas. How do I take this where it is now to get it where I need to be to reach the world? Wow. Tell me about your relationship with your parents. My dad helps me out financially, but it comes with a lot of condensation. He doesn't want to do it. He kind of has to do it. And I feel that and I don't want him to have to do it. My mom passed away in 2013 from cancer. Before that, we were close. My relationship with my parents, both of them, was always strained because I was told growing up that, you know, they were proud of me for having any job, you know, and I always knew that I was cut out for more and and it was a box. And because I was in BOCES, you know, people's experience on my capabilities, they thought, oh, she's in BOCES, she's in a special ed school, she's not going to be able to do this. So the expectations for what I was able to do were very low especially from my own parents. That's why I say I believe in myself 300% because I have to, because there's not a support system. Now, since made to do this, there's more of a support system in place from the people I've met through the program. You've never had anyone else believing that you can do more? No, I've had people like my ex-husband tells me that I could do more, but like the actions and the words don't match up. Did you ever have a teacher that made a big difference for you? I had a teacher in middle school that I would sit alone at the lunch table and the teacher would have me eat lunch in her classroom with her sometimes. Have you ever tried to get back in touch with her? I never have. I don't even know if she's still alive. She was older then. If you were to give a message to teachers, what would you say to them? I had a teacher that used to twist my wrist around. I was bullied by teachers and students. So I would say to the teachers that are teaching now, do it from a place of passion. If you don't have the passion, if you don't want to truly make a difference in these children's lives, don't do it. Because it's more than teaching, it's shaping their lives. I cannot believe you were bullied by a teacher. That is so horrible. Mm -hmm. It it reverberates, It, it lasts. I've had people say, oh, it was 30 years ago, Dory, get over it. It's my legacy. Your experiences create your legacy. What would you say to kids that don't have support from their teachers? That would be something that I would have to write down. Believe in your own tenacity. Don't give up. Find that one adult that cares about you because they're there. Sometimes you have to look inside yourself before you find that other person. That's the problem. It's a system. It's a business. The public school system is a business. Even the private school system is a business. Mm -hmm. And it's sad because the children are the ones that are paying the price. How do you think this can be changed? Do you think it can be? I think there has to be at least six to eight teachers in each school system that are willing to say this is wrong. Band together in each school system, in every school in the country, and, and it'll be changed. But there has to be teachers willing to band together. Can you explain the kindness project to us? To teach them how to find their voice through reading the words in the book, through not reading the words, but through reading a story and to do it in a way that nurtures 
kindness to get them to know themselves. Dory really inspires me, and she always says that I inspire her too. We write a lot of great stories together, and we read a lot of books that I love. This is her story that Dory helped me write. What if I had a magic horse? If I had a magic horse, I wouldn't have to pay to go on an airplane because it could just fly me there. It would have a rainbow mane and it would be silver. It would eat golden apples and violet brownies and it would drink blue tea. And if there were no violet brownies left, then I would feed her Twix. This is my final story that Dory, my reading tutor, helped me write. If I were a magical fairy, what magical power would I want to have? If I was a magical fairy, I would want to be a bunny fairy because I love bunnies. If I was a bunny fairy, I would give bunnies food. I would give them golden brownies and silver cookies, and I would give them sparkling tea. I am a bunny fairy, and I have curly brown hair, and I'm wearing a violet and light purple dress. Dory, you're the greatest. Now, let's hear from Grandpa. Dory, a private teacher that's helping Laser and Celia with their reading. And she's a very special person who has also experienced bullying when she was young. Society evaluation of her was that she was someone that might have even needed special needs and probably misdiagnosed. And yet she's got this, everyone around her thinking that she can't do certain things, where she ended up in a individual program away from the public school system, a very sensitive girl who was affected by this deeply. I think people who are abused or people who are bullied or people who are treated differently or put into some kind of category or box where they're just left in there without even a chance to help somebody get out of it. What this did for Dory was show that she has the passion and the compassion to help other people who could be in this similar box. She has done a fabulous job one-on-one with children, and she's expanding herself and her network because of the age that we live in now, and she wants to make a difference. I think, as everyone knows, financial restraints can stop a lot of good ideas. Unfortunately, the roadblock is that can she monetize her system can it be self-supporting? Hopefully, she will not be deterred. She gains her strength where her support cast is the books, is the groups, is the people she works with. And she's really been able to excel by being able to do the work that she's doing. So hopefully she can find the strength to continue and reach more people. It's not many who dream big like that. Isn't that unbelievable that she has these huge dreams which she probably has gotten from her reading, people all around her have counted her out. And the more she's been counted out, the more reading of people that have been successful and reaching out is where she's gained her strength, where she has fortitude that's unbelievable. And she's out there to prove that the inhibitions that she grew up with are invalid, that she can rise above it. Wouldn't that be great that if everyone could have that attitude that no matter how much people put you down or bully you or take advantage of you, that there is a formula, especially in this country, that we can rise above it and do better and make something out of ourselves. Do you have any advice for her? I don't know how she can monetize this without really getting someone to listen to her story. And maybe through your podcast, that voice will 
be elevated. Maybe a connection from this show could help monetize her situation. We all have our own unique map, which helps us understand ourselves and others. Increased self-awareness is key to maximizing your career and life. The UMAP assessment reveals your strengths, values, skills, and interests. There is also a UMAP youth assessment for kids. To get your personalized UMAP, go to myumap, that's Y-O-U.com today. And make sure you use the code BCD, like better call daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com.